Today, we are ready to give out the hardware. It's that time of the year. Award season is officially upon us, and we are going to hand out an all-new batch of Macho Awards for 2023. Yes, the second annual edition of the Macho Awards. We are going to visit an array of outstanding talent with our Machos. Our Macho Edition features most macho writer, most macho artist, most, most macho series, most macho movie, show, and two honorary machos will be awarded out today. Plus, the illustrious history of our famed macho awards. Because, hey, we were a macho show on an all-new edition of Observations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld, he who has the Observations. I have made my bones in the comic book business for 37 years, writing, producing, drawing, printing, yes, printing, manufacturing, thousands of comic pages, hundreds of comic books. Uh, This podcast exists to talk about the world of comic books and pop culture because honestly, now they're the same thing. But we're going to get right into it today because this is an exciting, exciting time of the year. I know you've been anticipating when, when was this coming? When, when was the follow-up? Well, it's here. It's here today. Welcome everybody to the uh, second annual Machos, the 2023 Machos, the Macho Awards. We, we kicked off the Macho Awards last year. And this year, we have a bevy of awards to hand out to those who have uh, earned the moniker Macho, Most Macho Writer, Most Macho Artist, Most, most Macho Series, Movie. Okay, we, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I got to start by, uh, by, by giving some of you who are new to this a proper background. Please listen to why the Machos exist before we get into handing out this year's very deserving uh, legion of of macho award winners. So the machos and the term macho became something unique and special in regards to this show as in early early season one, early season one of Rob Observations, I shared with everyone my absolute love and adoration for a show that I grew up on that was actually a top five Top 10 show, always a top-rated show. Ran five seasons in the 70s called The Six Million Dollar Man, featuring the adventures of one Steve Austin. Yes, we can rebuild him. He was a cyborg in service of the United States government, and he did all sorts of secret missions. The Six Million Dollar Man was a tremendous hit for kids of my era of the 70s, and it was so popular that it went on to uh, spin off an even more popular show. Featuring his his uh, one time love, Jamie Summers, as paid as played by Lindsay Wagner, Steve Austin, by the way, oh my gosh, was played by the uh, one of the most essential macho presences, personalities, actors, talents of all time, Lee Majors, the one and only Lee Majors. But the Bionic Woman spun off from the Six Million Dollar Man, and you got umpteen hours of adventures of these two bionic agents. The common denominator between the Six Million Dollar Man and later on the Bionic Woman and the co-star in every episode was a character named Oscar Goldman. Oscar Goldman was the director 
that would send both Jamie and Steve on their bionic missions. And they battled all manner of of bad bad guys. They battled aliens. They battled Sasquatch. Yes, during the Bigfoot craze that the nation, United States, found itself in a Bigfoot craze in the 70s. Everything was about Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the Yeti. Well, they, boom, put, put, put Sasquatch, the Yeti, Bigfoot, into the Six Million Dollar Man mythos, and later on included the, the Bionic Woman into, into the adventures as well. And it was connected to aliens. But he, he, he battled uh, an army of, of female robots, the Fembots, as did, as did Jamie. They battled uh, cyborg drones from outer space that, that landed back on Earth. And their, their mission calculation was screwed up. And it was a deadly, deadly drones, two-parter. He battled terrorists. They tried to blow up the Liberty Bell. Yes, the Liberty Bell. Uh, in an all-important episode from 1976. I mean, Jamie and Steve were busy all the time combating evil and doing it for, for, for the mighty U.S. of A. Oscar Goldman was the constant. He was the one constantly evaluating them, sending them on their missions, making sure they, uh, that they had contacts, they had their, 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 the proper equipment, that they had the, uh, the, everything that they needed at their disposal. He was literally a co-star in every sense of the word uh uh would would be in the beginning the middle the ends of some shows maybe sometimes all through the shows there was an episode where uh the plane went down and uh a plane went down and steve and oscar are uh are among a group of uh survivors who are hoping to get rescued and there's you know so so they're working in tandem the entire episode oscar goldman was played by an actor named richard anderson now, not Richard Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson is MacGyver, also, also super macho. But Richard Anderson played Oscar Goldman. And as he jokes on a documentary about the $6 million man, he openly jokes about the fact that he was actually doing more work than either Lee Majors or Lindsay Wagner in their roles as Steve Austin, the $6 million man, and Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman. He was doing more work than either of them because he was in both shows and they both aired weekly. Six Million Dollar Man was on Sundays. Bionic Woman was on Wednesdays, you know, in, in, in their heydays when they were at the top of the charts. They would go around in their later seasons. Both of them would, would move around and Bionic Woman even, even changed networks. But Oscar said sometimes they would helicopter him from, uh, from location to location because he needed to do his scenes with Lindsay Wagner. He needed to do his scenes with, uh, with Lee Majors. And so he was actually, you know, doing more work than either of them and making a significant salary being on both shows. And he joked about this, this $6 million man box set that I received in 2009, that I proceeded to show all of my early 40 something friends, because it was very exciting. And I had to show all of my friends. It was from time life. You know, those ads order now from time life. I did. I did order now from Time Life, and I got my $6 million man box set. And when it came, it had the original, the original pilot, the, the movies. They, they, they made movies with, uh, with, with Lindsay Wagner and, 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 and Lee Majors reprising their roles in the late 80s. Sandra Bullock is the bionic girl in one of them. Yes, that Sandra Bullock. They're super fun. And they, they were huge, huge ratings grabbers. And the guy who's behind getting them made and he, and he talks about it in this documentary is again richard anderson oscar goldman 
he's like, we got to, we got to do these going. He, we got to do these again. We got to get these back on the air. He would work over both Lee Majors and Lindsay separately. He would, he would talk about this, this documentary track. There's a ton of them in this time life, you know, uh, box set of all of the six million dollar men. When I got it, I was thrilled. And when I opened it up, the box, the lid, when you open it, it plays the six million dollar man theme. When you open it, it goes, no, 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 close it. Close it. It just stops. It's so awesome. I still have it nearby. It is in my sightline every single day. This thing is like my treasure. Do not try and take my six million dollar man box set from me. There'll be there'll be problems. But I did a deep dive into all the different documentaries, and they do really great uh, interviews with everybody in the cast of Six Million Dollar Man, including including. Uh, Lindsay Wagner, because they talk about the bionic merchandise, the, the you know, the bionic woman, uh, because they, they really were, there was action figures right down here at, at my feet right now is a $6 million man, uh, uh, full 12 inch. Yes. Doll. It's a doll. It's in its box. It is a, it is a precious, another precious jewel of my youth. So you're like, life, you're going to tell us about macho. I am, I'm, I'm working you up. I'm working you up into this. So you have, you have to understand that in this documentary, towards the very end of it. And I uploaded this clip. I put it on social media about two years ago because after the first year, three years ago, when this, when this podcast came out, when Rob's Observations came out, I joked that I loved because, because <clears throat> let me see if I can catch Richard Anderson's cadence because they talk like this. I, I mean, we, we were, we were a macho show. I mean, you, you got to understand. We, we were a macho show. Lee, Lee was, Lee was macho, macho. There's own stunts. He was he was macho. We were a macho show. Okay, that took with this audience. You out there listening to me right now would meet me in Kissimmee, Florida, in in Orlando, Florida, in 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 Phoenix, Arizona. You would meet me in Austin, in Dallas, in uh, in 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 San Antonio, Texas. You would meet me in San Diego, New York, and you'd come up to me and you go, "Hey, Liefeld." It's a macho show. You know, you'd lower your cadence to try and match Richard Anderson's. It's a, it's, it's a macho show. And you guys, some of you have, have handed me shirts that you've made that says Rob Observations. It's a macho show. Because damn it, we are a macho show. <laughs> we are a macho show. In, in the same vein as Richard Anderson. All right, we're a macho show. And what he's talking about is, <clears throat> he doesn't even call him Lee Majors. In his interviews, the entire time, I dig this about Richard Anderson. Oscar Goldman himself sitting there, super tan. He calls him majors. Oh, you know, majors, majors, majors. He, he wanted to do his own stunt work. All sorts of problems. Cause I mean, then he'd get hit and, and, and he hurt himself. Shouldn't be doing his own stunt work. But, but we were a macho. We we're a macho show. We we're a macho show. Okay. Majors, majors, Lee Majors. Big Valley started out as a cowboy, as the young kind of bastard son. On, 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 on Big Valley and then was welcomed in among the other brothers and became like a key, key player, got entire solo episodes to himself. There's an episode of Big Valley where Lee Majors wanders into like a ghost town and there's these creepy four people that run the ghost town. They're crazy. Uh, two guys, two girls, and they put him on trial. There's no one in the, in, in, in the, in the courtroom. They put him in a jail. They're going to kill him. Um, they're, they, they like, talk to themselves they're just absolute nuts and he's trying to maneuver in and out of this town and try and break away the entire time it is creepy it is like a twilight zone episode of big valley okay 
huge cowboy star for years, then immediately pivots to this kind of James Bond with cybernetic, you know, implants. He had a bionic arm, a bionic eye, bionic legs. Who does that sound, you know, familiar to? Look, I've, I've been very clear that Six Million Dollar Man, Lee Majors, this entire depiction was was very crucial to how I depicted and uh, created Cable, Nathan Summers, okay? This was all, um, you know, part of the part of the inspiration that I had. Six Million Dollar Man is, is so uh, special to me. And, uh, but so he goes from Big Valley to Six Million Dollar Man, which, which between the pilots and the series runs six years, six years time. And then when that's over, he immediately reboots with a, show that goes another five seasons called The Fall Guy. Lee Majors is in demand uh, his entire prime, like like his his 20s through his late 30s, early 40s. The dude is extremely uh, popular. Everything he does is a ratings hit. He was super uh, popular and he was very much of that Burt Reynolds, another super macho guy from the 70s. He'd be in posters. Uh, you know, on the show on Six Million Armand, he'd have his shirt buttoned down to mid chest. So you saw the pecs, you saw the hairy pecs. He had a hairy chest. Um, he was he was he was rocking it. He'd had he, there was a poster of him and his wife at the time, Farrah Fawcett, who would go on and be the you know blonde bombshell that launches the Charlie's Angels franchise. They were married. Maybe you didn't know that they were married for for a, a while. And uh, and uh, you know, Lee, it was it was talked about at the time he had he'd become so successful between all of his successful television series up to that date that, that he was kind of like ah oh, why do you got to work all the time farah and he, he he's he's seen as being one of the reasons that she bowed out of charlie's angels and then pivoted towards more film work which was less demanding less of an everyday job away from lee majors who wanted you know to have his relationship these are all stories from all the different people magazine the us magazine stuff like that back in the 70s lee was very macho it just 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 outside of being steve austin he was this macho dude. Um, in, in the poster of him and his wife running, he, he's practically in dolphin shorts, showing his hairy legs, his buff hairy legs, and he's got his again his his you know shirt buttoned down and his hairy pecs, and he's 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 buff. He's super duper macho. Richard Anderson knew what he was saying when he said well, major ma- majors. I mean, we were macho. We were we, we were a macho show. I had the good fortune of meeting Mr. Majors right before the pandemic, uh, the summer before our crazy pandemic shut down. I was at a comic convention in in, in London. And at the end of the day, I hadn't, I hadn't looked at the guest list at all. I just was there among comic book people and, and uh, actors. And to to leave after the first day, I used the service elevator that they had, they were having the talent used to go down to the garage where the cars were and it was just me i walked in and then boom right there sitting on a chair right as i was walking in all i could see is the open left of the big service elevator giant elevator and then i walked in into the right sitting in a chair a folding chair was lee majorson standing next to him was his wife and his wife was very lovely and she smiled at me and i kind of smiled and looked away and i was like oh my gosh i'm in a, i'm in a, i'm in a, i'm in an elevator with freaking steve austin the bionic man and he was just looking down but i think his wife picked up like this dude is crushing on my husband i was crushing on her husband i was crushing on mr lee majors true story next day all i could think about is i gotta get a picture with lee majors i gotta talk to him i gotta get stuff signed i gotta you know so uh 
I had uh, gone over to approach him, and one of the convention people was there. And they said, oh, Lee, this is Rob Liefeld. He created Deadpool and all these comics. And and then the, the wife was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And then Lee was like, well, hey, we, we've got to get a picture together. So I was like, oh, damn. So he's like, I've got my photo ops in an hour. Why don't you come meet me over there, and we'll get a po- photo together. So I took my picture with Lee Majors, which my heart was racing. I was so excited. My childhood hero. I'm, <laughs> I'm 51. My, I, I, I'm feeling like I'm a teenager, but I am 51 taking my picture with an even older version of Lee Majors. Okay. And then I waited to, pre- to get it printed out. And then I made it my way over to his table. And l- l- let me tell you something. They started gathering up all these photos and stuff to give to me. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not happening. I'm buying all this stuff. And they're like, no, you don't, don't need to. No, no, no. I bought four photos. Of course, one of them is Lee Mate, Steve Austin and, and, and Sasquatch. Got him on a jet. Got him running. I got a whole bunch of stuff. And I threw down my money. I wanted to support Lee Majors. I wanted to tell him how much I cared about him and loved him and how much, how important he was. And he's like, well, that's, that's, that's special. Well, thank you. know, he, he was very kind. Could not have been nicer. Whips out his card with his phone number and his email and said, call me. We'll be in uh, Orange County come, uh, you know, early, early, early next year. We, we come out there after the holidays. Now, obviously, early next year turned into a pandemic. So I'm not sure what, what, what turned up happening. But the funny thing is I'm friends with a, a guy named Daryl Morey, who is a general manager for now the Philadelphia 76ers. But at the time, for, for the, a, a serious long period of time, he was the general manager for the Houston Rockets. And he texted me and said, hey, Lee Major said he met you. He said, uh, you know, Lee's a regular at the Houston games, at the Rockets games. You should come check him out. This is right before he, you know, a, a year later, Daryl would go to, to Philadelphia. But like small world, right? Small world. Lee Majors, uh, proud Texas boy, uh, big Houston Rockets fans, knows the same general manager that is a comic book fan that knows me. And so everything in my life was extremely satisfying happy and wait for it what what was it it was it was freaking macho it was freaking macho to take a picture with lee majors okay so because of the richard anderson it's, it's a macho show and i shared that here and you guys telling me rob observations it's a macho show and you're making me paraphernalia you, you you're giving me like bumper stickers and, you, and you're giving me you know your, your your signs and you're making t-shirts and sweatshirts that say rob's Ravens, it's a macho show we uh instituted the machos last year the machos because we deserve to celebrate all that is that is macho in the world of pop culture now now before some of you get uh upset at the word macho again i just told you why we're calling these the machos okay uh but but again macho is a a product of of you know, the seventies when it was the most popular slang, but I understand that like someone who's like, well, that's, that's misogynistic. And no, 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 that's not how we intended the macho awards uh, is, is uh, if you look up the definition, if you jump on right now, you know, macho showing aggressive pride in one's masculinity, uh, you know, uh, men who are very conscientious and proud of their masculinity. Okay. Look, a lot of the entertainment that I consume is macho. We're going to honor the, the best of the macho stuff that we like here. But certainly, you know, look, heavy metal is very macho. It's very aggressive. Um, I've talked about it here on the show before. I actually did do about a year, year and a half of art schools at the local colleges by some really highly recommended 
teachers. One is named Nixon Bora. He taught at Flirton College. He was actually recommended to me to be the far superior teacher than any any instructors that I would get at Cal State Fullerton. So I had gone to Fullerton College. I went with a couple of comic book guys. Uh, Brian Murray, who who did Supreme for me and did a bunch of color work. He's he's witness. I attended these classes, life drawing, um, art design. I uh I I did several years of the life drawing and learned so much drawing from nude models uh twice a week for again a year and a half as I was breaking into the comic book business. And during the uh you know artistic art and design and art art theory, they would talk about even so this is now nineteen 86, 1985, 1986 is, is this time period. I, that's when I was learning about what they would say at the time, masculine lines and feminine lines. Now that's not my terminology right now. If you Google it, boom, right there, all you have to do, I, I, I put in masculine line. And before I finished it, it said masculine line drawings. It'll come up on your screen and it'll take you to different definitions. Now, uh, the, 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 First one that I came to just to randomly click on and share with you guys it says masculine lines, feminine curves, TV tropes. It's, it's, it's under a TV trope animation uh, page. It says masculine lines, feminine curves is a visual trope about the marked difference in how men and women are drawn in artwork and animation. Males, be they humanoid, robot, or animal, will have more angular faces, square jaws, broad, square shoulders. Meanwhile, females will have smoother, rounder faces and curvaceous bodies. Well, I'm going to go beyond even the, this depiction of of masculine lines and and female curves. The the cross hatching of let's say a Barry Windsor Smith who we had a great two part you know uh, uh, you know versus episode where he it's him versus the world where he was very uh, lippy. We we kicked off this new season that we're in right now. When I came back in January with with a, a series on Barry Windsor Smith, but but what he really embraced and became known for was his excessive cross-hatching it's a very masculine okay masculine stood in for aggressive aggressive lines and 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 passive lines is now what because we're so hyper sensitive to these terms masculine and feminine i'm not but there are some are who's there are some who are and i don't have any problem whatsoever acknowledging it, it it's it's no sweat to 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 embrace that what was used to be called a masculine line which would may, maybe be a uh a pen dipped in ink, a hard croquil line that you put on a paper, as opposed to a brush line, which is a smoother, uh, softer line. You know, cross hatching is is really most effectively done with a hard nib, a a a, a tip, a a croquil. Whereas feathering is done with a brush. Now, feathering became a popular style of hair among women in the late sixties, early seventies. Farrah Fawcett, her entire hair is based on feathering. Then men adopted that and they took a feminine style of hair and you got uh, all these different surfer dudes, but, but like David Cassidy of the Partridge family and Sean Cassidy, teen idols, teen idols of the, of the, of the late seventies, early eighties, your soap opera stars, your, your teen idols, your, your, your singers, your Donny Osmonds. I know I'm dating myself here, but this is the stuff that was on, uh, the, the these magazines that would sell to women. I mean, the the earliest days of like a Josh Brolin appearing in Goonies. He has feathered hair. Uh, uh, Andy Gibb has feathered hair uh, in 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 all the right moves. Tom Cruise has feathered hair. The, the feathered hair is really it comes from women's hairstyles. So there's a lot of mixing up of masculine and feminine, aggressive and passive lines 
from hatching to feathers, which which translates from paper into actually, like I said, feathering of hair. But in on 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 a on paper, the, the feathering that you do with a brush is mostly the feathering that you do in terms of rendering is is mostly done with a brush. And it's a very soft application of different brush strokes. Whereas again, uh the, the style of rendering that I favor and many of my peers favor, that the style of rendering that 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 I depicted, that Jim Lee depicted, that Dale Keown depicted, that that Todd McFarlane, Wills Portacio, Eric Larson, Mark Silvestri depicted is a aggressive form of cross hatching. That is there there's nothing feminine about it. It can be inked with a brush. It looks more effective when it is inked with a quill. All of the inkers that inspired us coming up through the 70s and 80s, the Terry Austins, the uh, Joe, Joe Rubenstein, the, uh, the, the Dick Giordanos, the Neil Adams, uh, Klaus Janssen, they were either completely crow quill or a combination of both. Joe Rubenstein, Klaus Janssen would combine brush strokes with aggressive crow quill, pen, thick, uh, hard nib lines, in addition to using the brushes as outlines for the figure. I've seen both Joseph and Klaus Janssen and Dick Giordano ink a figure using the brush to contour the figure lines and then go in with the rendering on the cheeks, on the muscles, on the biceps, on the on the thighs, on, on the stomach muscles with a crow quill. So there's a combo, but it was still being laid over with a crow quill. And they were using the brush in the most aggressive way possible. The, the, the best example today, right now, of a contrast of feminine passive line work as opposed to masculine aggressive line work would be taking the Mark Silvestri uh, Batman Joker book that he's doing right now, which is just chock full, overflowing with aggressive, uh, multiple cross-hatching uh, rendering on each and every panel, each and every page, faces, figures, backgrounds appliances gear it's everywhere aggressive strokes aggressive scratchy lines over aggressive scratchy lines again what makes a scratch something with a nib something with a with a a claw something with a hard edge then there's a peach momoka who has become extremely popular very feminine obviously she is a female illustrator does that mean she can't do the stuff that Mark does, no, but she prefers, as I've seen in, in, in studying all of her work, she prefers a soft brush line. Look, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of both in manga. Manga's exploding. And uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, uh, Dragon Ball and, and uh, Naruto and Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia are very, very masculine rendered. Uh, so berserk. A lot of the stuff that I've talked about, the bastard. Then, then there's other, all, all manner of different uh, manga, none of which come to my mind right now. But if we immediately teleported to Borders, or I mean, I'm sorry, to Barnes and Nobles, Borders is a former bookstore chain, we would be sitting in a bunch of also feminine line, more brushy, more just soft outlines of figures. And again, it's very pretty. A feminine line is very pretty, but you can, you can, you can be a pretty gritty line and a pretty feminine passive line or you can be a pretty aggressive line uh, an ugly aggressive line or an ugly uh passive line so it's 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 uh for me when i say macho i'm i'm speaking of the the brawn of the work the the uh the flex the the power the bravado of the work and that is the stuff that i prefer just like 
in music. Hey man, you may be into uh, uh, air supply, and and those guys they roll the charts. You may be into um, uh, Sam Smith right now. You, you may be into uh, just softer music. Heavy metal also exists. You can also go look, listen to heavy metal. You know, you can listen to punk. You can listen to a lot of the British pop, uh, whether it was Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, uh, Culture Club, all that stuff that I also consumed. Sat alongside my Skid Row, my Motley Crew. My wife and I were at the burger joint the other day, and they were playing Blastin' Dr. Feelgood. And I said, Joy, this is my sophomore year. Motley Crew is my sophomore year of my high school. I will never, ever not associate Dr. Feelgood with, uh, with that period of my life and shouted the devil and all of the Motley Crue stuff that was, that was blowing up. Uh, you know, the, 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 it was shout of the devil. That was my sophomore year. My, uh, Dr. Feelgood was later. So, so I'm just, I'm being overwhelmed with my, my Motley Crue obsession at the time. But when the crew came on, they were like an even more aggressive version of kiss. They had makeup on their faces, but it was more kind of raunchy, not as polished and, 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 and more manicured like kiss was so again this show isn't celebrating one or the other this is just my preferences these are my preferences and 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 now that i have spent a good half of this show winding you up for the machos we're going to get right into it the macho awards the most macho uh because we're a macho show richard anderson i wish he was alive sitting right next to me right now and he could say we're a macho show it's, it's, a, it's a macho show. Again, when I uploaded that clip, I went back. I, 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 I got on it on the documentary. I played, pressed play. I recorded it with my phone. I uploaded it to my Facebook, to my Twitter at the time. Oh, you guys were, were so generous. Again, you guys come up to me. We're a macho show, Liefeld. We're a macho show. Look, I like the harder edge stuff. That's just the bottom line. This, uh, my preferences run to the harder edge stuff. So this is what we celebrate is the harder edge stuff. And to me, all, all, all myself and all my image brethren, we were more into the harder edge stuff. It was like guys playing with army, uh, army figures while the girls played with the Barbies. It's just, it, it is what it is. Now, there's a lot in between, uh, you know, as we've discussed. But this is about what was the most macho in 2023. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to start off with, with, with what I believe is, uh, is, is it's, it, the most macho writer award for 2023 is a repeat our 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 first repeat of the year it belongs again with Kevin Eastman who roared back with the turtles franchise with the last ronin deep into the pandemic but in the summer of 2021 when last ronin arrived almost in 2022 it was delayed it was late and then it powered all the way through 2022 last ronin burned up the charts i I shared with you guys in a recent episode that my comic store said the last time a story driven series uh was flying off the charts and people were showing up they they just needed any copy it was you know that the story is pushing it when they're like you don't you don't have the a cover you don't have the b cover i'll just take what you have left i just need a copy of the last ronin that is how severe kevin Eastman turned around that Turtles franchise, which was doing well. It was around. It existed. It did a number, but then it exploded. And ironically, Last Ronin celebrates kind of the yin to the yang, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that Eastman and Laird launched, celebrated Frank Miller's 
really was an echo of Frank Miller's Daredevil work that he'd done at Marvel with Elektra. It down to the imitation of the line work, the layouts. They just did it with Turtles. Last Ronin is an echo of the Dark Knight, where it's in the future. The Turtles have been gone, and now, in fact, there's only one Turtle. And he reemerges, and we follow the story, and we, we, we revisit this new world, and some familiar faces along the way. I don't want to blow the story for you, but here's the deal. The hardcover collection of Kevin's Last Ronin came out at the end of 2022, and guys, it, I, I, I was on a waiting list to get one. It was so popular. I didn't get my hardcover uh, delivered to me at the store because I wanted to, again, support my comic store, not buy it off Amazon. It took me like until late January where I finally got my hardcover. They said, hey, your hardcover came in. My heart leapt. Oh my gosh, I'm going to finally have it. But as I'm doing this, I'm looking at a, at a shelf that has all these last thrown in action figures and immaculately packaged, brilliant, beautiful, you know, last thrown in merchandise. It has already just exploded. And so here's the deal. What's happened already in 2022 is the Last Ronin spinoffs. Last Ronin spinoffs, one-shots, continuations. They're going to do a sequel, but the one-shots have already landed. There's even an April Last Ronin celebrating April coming up. It's been it's been solicited. I may or may not do an, a, a, a variant cover for it, but the Last Ronin is now a full-fledged franchise with spinoffs. And it is the most action-oriented swords, knives, nunchucks, um, Power, fists, kicks, flips, it's gritty, it's, it's got that traditional, uh, uh, very, very cross-hatchy line work. It is absolutely the entire essence of Last Ronin from Kevin Eastman is macho and, and, and there's no macho to spare. It's, it's all the macho all the time. The most uh, macho, the Macho 2023 Writer of the Year Award goes to none other than Mr. Kevin Eastman. Now, last year, the artist that we handed the Macho, the Macho 2022 to, the Macho 2022 to, say that five times fast, was none other than Mr. Adam Kubert and the exemplary work that he was doing on Wolverine, which was far and away the most masculine macho in terms of depiction of, of just the machismo of, 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 of Marvel's most machismo hero was, uh, was, was Mr. 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 Adam Kubert and his amazing depiction, which is what was driving me to the book on a regular basis. A phenomenal work. He deserved it. But this year he has been usurped. We have a brand new winner for artist for the Macho 2023, the Machos 2023 award for best illustrator. You guys, this should not surprise you. It is a landslide. Only two issues landed towards the end of the year. And now we are on issue four because this gentleman took a, a, a multi-year approach to crafting this, and it shows on each and every page. This guy isn't cheating you in his depiction of Batman and Joker and Nightwing and Catwoman and Alfred and Commissioner Gordon. It looks like each and every page took a month to draw. It is amazing. It is a brawny Batman, brawny, tall, strong, muscular, stands in, in killer poses, leaping, kicking, crawling you know, up the sides of a building. The Joker is menacing, frightening, terrifying. But it's not like he's, he's having a trot, you know. He, his depiction of Joker doesn't try too hard. He doesn't try and give him this giant, inordinate, you know, beak for a nose on his face to try and say, hey, look, he's, he's got this weird nose and he's angular. Other artists should take note. Mark Silvestri is 
hands down, our Macho 2023 Artist of the Year. The Macho 2023 goes to Mark Silvestri. Batman Joker, Deadly Duo, is a, a, a masterpiece in the making. He has four issues out right now. If you don't have them, you should get them now. Here's what I know. The first issue sold out. The second issue sold out. The third issue is selling out. This is a book that retailers are scrambling to up their orders on each and every time. They go, oh man, I, I thought we needed 30 issues. We needed 50. Wow, of the first issue, we really needed 60. Oh my gosh, we're selling 100. I need to up my orders on issue two. Holy crap, I was too late. We only got the 25 of issue two, and now I've got 50 people who are waiting for me to get it, but they're going to get out, they're going to walk out the door and drive to the other store, but they're going to find out that that other store didn't order enough either. This book is a word of mouth monster because people are like, wow, you mean I can get this kind of Batman instead of the guy who's like, hey, everybody, look how clever I am. I can hide all of Batman under, under under the shadows. I can I can hide him hide him under the shadows of a building, under the shadows of 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 a of a you know of a a, a low hanging banister of an awning, uh, you know, of a bridge. I I, I can I, you know, give me a break, man. I can hide him under the shadows of his own cape, so you basically just don't see a body. So many guys approach Batman with this giant attitude, like I'm going to show you how clever I can cheat. And really, what they're doing is they're 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 drawing a faster page, getting paid uh, the same that they would to draw a, a fully rendered figure, but they're hiding it in shadows because they're clever. They're clever, and they just want to get in and out. Maybe they've done too many Batmans, and hey, man, I can do all of Batman in a silhouette. Hey, man, we've seen all that stuff. Mark is coming back and saying, I'm going to draw you the most detailed. Uh, outline of of a face, a frowning, grinning, uh, a, a grimacing, a gritted teeth Batman with his muscles, a flex, uh, his torso just ripped. You get the, all the rib cage, the muscles, his biceps, his triceps. Um, you know, Mark. Every man he draw, every every man that he draws looks like you know a supermodel male, and every woman he draws looks like a supermodel female. He has always drawn uh, the most glorious versions. Of males and females, and and you know, going back to my art drawing, my my life drawing class in eighty five and eighty six, when we would have um, you know, our different life models, there was a there was a postman. He was a a postman that would come in and pose for us, and he was kind of like more like in the Wolverine comic book kind of uh, height range. He was probably like five 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 six, pretty ripped, pretty muscular. Sometimes I drew him taller, leaner, and my Professor would say, I understand you're, you're studying for comic books because that's what you want to do, and you're doing a really glorified version for him. But he said, I'd, I'd like to ask that you would depict him as he is. And I said, I can do that for you, and I showed him. Like, I can do him at, at five six. but what I prefer, because I'm trying to stretch out the figure and, and make the more glorified, enhanced superhero body. Because look, you know, the, very, the, the most famous depiction of Superman that we know of on film is Christopher Reeve, still to this day, of the 1978 in 1980, Superman 1, Superman 2. Those are the depictions that we remember the most. Christopher Reeves is a tall, you know, uh, glorious looking, uh, ex- ex- you know, the most exaggerated kind of form. He's not overly buff, but he's long, he's lean. He's exactly what you think of when you think of what a Superman would look like. There's nothing, he, you, don't, you don't think of, look at him and look at him and say, oh, he's short and he's stout. Um, no, he, he, he's, he's just an amazing physical specimen. So I, that's what we, that's what I grew up on in Marvel comics, whether it was John Buscema, Jack Kirby, John Byrne, Jim Starlin, 
Walt Simons and Frank Miller, these elongated forms, both female and male. Mark Silvestri does this in his sleep. He draws the glorified, enhanced man and woman. And when it comes to the creepy Joker and the Joker kind of uh, infected that he's depicting in the in the series, I mean, they're creepy, they're grimy, but they're just, it's amazing. And Mark could do all that shadow stuff and do it better than anybody else, but he's giving you drawing. The Harley Quinn that he is depicting as she is kind of um, held uh, captive uh, is, is, you know, is just, she's phenomenal. She's the, literally the best looking Harley Quinn that you have ever seen. And she is being presented in a limited capacity as such. She hasn't like broken out and kicked ass yet, but so far what we've seen of her in the shadows, you know, bound up, uh, you know, whatever, uh, sequestered away. It, it's amazing. Joker is terrifying. Batman is the greatest looking Batman I have ever seen. It is rivaling the Neil Adams. I, I shared on, 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 uh, I shared on, on social media recently that there are already artists that are drawing there are already um artists drawing uh uh batman right now batman books to come that are on their way that are putting up on social media the drawings of batman that they're doing and they are 100,000 percent imitations imitations of what of what mark is doing of what mark has done and uh the the the, the uh, Miguel Mendon art uh, he put up his Batman and it looks exactly like a panel out of Mark's book. Mark is instantly instantly transforming how people are seeing Batman again after this ten years of hey I'm clever I can draw him in shadows I can cover him in 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 all these different um you know cast shadows. Uh, in, in deep shadows. It's just do them in silhouette. Yeah, we've done that. You know who did it better than anyone? Uh, Marshall Rogers, uh, Frank Miller, David Mazzuchelli. We've already seen that. We've already seen that perfected. When you're doing it, you're just doing an imitation of them. Mark is not imitating anyone. He's just going, I'm going to be Mark Silvestri. I'm going to give you these amazing figures. Uh, his action sequences are, are, are incredibly thought out, well choreographed, action packed. You feel the hits. Um, every time. Uh, Commissioner Gordon, he puts more work into the folds and creases in uh, Commissioner Gordon Gordon's raincoat than most guys put in the entire page, in their entire page nowadays. And listen, my my buddy Marat Michaels, he of uh, Brigade Blindside Shatterstar, he did a Shatterstar uh, miniseries with me at Marvel uh, about a decade back. He was down visiting. We went to the comic book store. We looked through every single Marvel and DC comic. We took our time. We slowed down and we flipped through them. There is a sameness going on. Things are shot from a uh, the the you know from a safe distance. Medium shots galore. Very few people pulling in for these giant close-ups. Mark gives you these big giant entire heads. A full a full page of a, a, a full a full head on a page that you're like wow. People don't do this anymore. No less than I was flipping through my um, Facebook and there's a contact I have. I don't know him well. And again, I, I, I didn't certainly uh, anticipate that he'd be posting this, but I, I, was, I was very shocked. But look, a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Retro Palmiotti, it's spelled like Jimmy Palmiotti's last name, but it's Peter Retro Palmiotti, put on an all lavender, you know, board with white letters on his, uh, on his Facebook Post he says a lot of comic book art today isn't exciting. 
it is not well executed or looks poorly posed. And then uh, so far, there's several hundreds of comments with people clipping pages. And there's some of the same pages Marat and I were looking at. And it's it's just this very, what I'm going to tell you right now, there is a, the popular approach to comic books is very pedestrian. There is nothing about Mark Silvestri's work that is pedestrian. And for that reason, the energy on every page, the incredible gestures, the incredible uh, rendering, hatching, the staging, the, 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 just the entire approach he has taken to his storytelling. He is far and away, far and away, above all the rest, the Macho 2023 winner. Kevin Eastman, Macho 2023 writer, Mark Silvestri, Macho 2023 inker. He's a penciler and inker, artist. He's penciling and inking this book. He is pulling double duty. And, and it looks, it looks like there was intensive time and care taken on each and every page. And we are about 100 pages into this story with several issues to come. It is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend that you guys um, pick that up. So that dovetails into what would be the most macho, the Macho 2023 series of the year. I think we just talked about it. Once again, circles all the way back, double dipping, Batman, Joker, Deadly Duo by none other than uh, Mark Silvestri. If it's not called Deadly Duo, just call it Batman Joker. I was poring over these issues earlier today. It is a style and a substance uh, that that I would not repeat. It's so significant. Again, this guy uh, who I who, who I who I read out to you guys, who's already applying, um, who's already applying these exact uh, practices to his page that looks just like Mark, um, but but is not saying, "Hey, I'm looking at Mark." But but boy, oh boy, Miguel uh, Mendenkart. Uh, Mendunk, Mendica, and then Art. Uh, look, I, I, it's the first time I've said his name out loud. I apologize. Looks just like Mark, but but here's the deal: what Mark is doing with the story. You know, I give Kevin Eastman the edges of the writer because the impact, the sheer impact that the Turtles' Last Ronin is being felt on the industry. Like I said, that there are multiple Last Ronin is now like an entire family of books coming out. But the the series of Batman Joker is uber. Like exciting, macho, uh, the the staging, the mystery, teaming up Batman and Joker and having them perform missions uh, together as, as the clock is running and this menace is is uh, is building. I don't want to give it away. I want you to read it. But the single best depiction of Commissioner Gordon, um, just all of the Batman family is involved. There was a uh, sequence in the fourth issue with Catwoman and Nightwing working together, and they're dangling upside down, a la kind of. Tom Cruise in uh, in in Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible Number One from 1996. It is thrilling. I mean, they're upside down, and it's fantastic. Mark is throwing everything he has at this. It is the most exciting Batman story. There are no uh, cheats, no corners that he's cutting. It is inspiring. I, I I I you know went a good eight to ten minutes on his art, but I'm just going to double down and say the story that he's telling. Uh, he knows exactly what he excels at drawing. He knows exactly what you want to see. He is giving you quite possibly the most commercial Batman since Frank Miller's original Dark Knight. It is that freaking good. In my mind, it leapfrogs everything in the last 25 years. Everything. When I, I have not stared at a book in the pages and the sequential art like this in forever. It is, it is groundbreaking. You will see it be imitated for years and years to come. Mark Silvestri, 
Batman Joker is our is our macho 2023 book of the year. So Mark is pulling down book of the year, artist of the year. Kevin Eastman has writer of the year. These dudes have earned their machos. The machos 2023. I can hear the applause. It's like we're in we're, we're in the center. I mean, look, we're in the award season, right? This is why we're doing this. I mean, they're giving out Grammys and Golden Globes and Critics Awards and 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 American Cinematique Awards. I mean, and 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 we got the big granddaddy of them all coming, the the Academy Awards, the Oscars. So this is the season to do this. And uh we have some just to me beyond compare. Kevin Eastman and Mark with his two uh, series of the year, artist of the year, Kevin Woods writer of the year. They're, they're incomparable. They are um, absolutely deserving of the machos. Now, when it comes to popular, broad blockbuster filmmaking, cinema, you guys know where who's getting this. This, this is not a, this is not a mystery. If you know me, if you listen to me, um, the funny thing is, you know, I remind my wife that that uh, this movie was made in 2019. If you guys go back to the summer of 2019 and Hall H that summer, uh, Tom Cruise made his very first appearance ever in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con promoting the movie that they were shooting right down there in in the San Diego area. Uh, They were shooting Top Gun Maverick and it was going to be coming out the following summer in 2020. But then obviously the whole world turned upside down with the pandemic and and everything was uh, delayed. No, no filming, no, 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 no shows, no movies. Then how are we going to get back? Testing, masks, all that stuff. And then finally, in the summer of 2022, three years after he arrived to promote a movie that he was almost done finishing, it comes out. Prior to that, the trailers that had come out, members of my own family were like, Dad, you're kidding yourself. No, nobody is going to fall for this. You're like a, a niche group of people who are going to see this because you're, you're nostalgic. And I said, I don't see nostalgia when I see that trailer. I see a really masculine, muscular, um, uh, focus in terms of giving me these, the, these, these giant, you know, jets in the air battling the enemy jets, the, the, the shots, the aerial dogfights, the training, the, 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 just the, I mean, there's a reason they're called muscle cars. These are muscle planes and just the angles, the cinematography, the staging, the cropping, the, the just was, was, Exciting me! Wow. Okay, and uh, there's again, there's a, there's a reason that aggressive and passive exist. And in this way, I, I, this this is a very aggressive imaging, very aggressive imagery was applied to Top Gun Maverick, and I knew that I was going to respond, um, just just from that imagery. Then in April, I was fortunate enough that a, a friend of mine phoned in a favor, got me a seat at the world premiere of Top Gun Maverick at the. Uh, the uh, cinema CinemaCon, where the all of the different uh, people who own the movie theaters that that, that show you the movies, whether it's uh, mom and pop, uh, you know, uh, people who own theaters in Kentucky and Idaho and and uh, in Maryland and Montana, or the big giant, you know, m- you know, hundreds of employees and, and executives from Regal and AMC and Cinemark, they all pack themselves into this giant stadium where where music acts perform and uh they 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 go on a multi-day presentation with all the studios showing them their upcoming fair well it was april and paramount studios decided that their presentation would be to world premiere and show you for the first time the entirety of top gun maverick and i sat there and from the word get-go i was totally blown away 
so many of my friends just based on the trailers thought the movie was ending up in space that Tom was somehow going in space because he looked like he was in like an astronaut you know uniform and then they turn that all in their head right in the beginning no he's a test pilot and he's testing these you know sonic crafts you know speed of sound speed of light i mean not speed of light but just you know crazy stuff i was blown away i was blown away by a guy who was being told he was useless there was no room for him he was used up you're multiple times in top gun maverick your time is done there's no use for you there's nothing here for you what use you have i do not know john ham says repeatedly and a guy who 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 rises up to prove that he still has something something to offer and in fact you know becomes the guy that helps to save the day and the relationship that he develops with miles teller's rooster character um really really got me uh as 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 a dad with with two boys obviously my my daughter i love her to death but but this resonated as a father son story and uh i thought the great romance very realistic romance between uh tom cruise and 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 uh and penny and 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 obviously the very emotional uh return of, of val kilmer and uh as iceman just but all of the machismo when, when, when tom cruise and john ham are in the same frame they know what they're doing they're, they're making a very masculine aggressive macho film and i it just it clicked with me and again that 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 third act with the mystery combatants and the uh and all of the dogfights and the missiles and the exchange. And I mean, I, I, I have not seen a movie in the theater 10 times since I was nine years old. And you guys, I just kept going back and back. And my wife was so loving. She went three times with me. She doesn't go see anything twice, much less three times. But I had to keep up in the game. IMAXs and 40X and, you know, all the different um, roller coaster ride variables that you can, you know, see with a movie nowadays. But uh, Top Gun Maverick, this week alone, Steven Spielberg was at the oscars luncheon and told you know tom cruise you saved cinema's ass and he did and he's not getting enough credit for it it's, it's all already people are like eh you know top gun maverick yeah it was good no it brought people back my one son was skeptical he eventually saw it after we'd all seen it he and i saw it on uh on on memorial day and uh it was great we went to an 11 o'clock show to get the very best seats that I had bought the day, the day before when he confirmed that he wanted to see it. And uh, so we would get out and be able to do our Memorial Day stuff with our friends. You know, we were going our separate ways. But we went to a packed theater at 11 o'clock on Memorial Day. And every time that my wife and I went, and go, went to go see the movie throughout the summer, and we kept seeing it through August, we were seeing it with packed, packed theaters, packed crowds, because it just resonated. But you cannot escape the macho and the machismo from Tom Cruise, from uh, Joseph Kaczynski, from from Christopher McQuarrie, all of the people who contributed to the excellence. That movie is perfect. It is perfect frame to frame. It is look. It may not be the art for the art artiste story that you want, but uh, it is a great story of a guy who finds his focus and finds his worth again. And we've all been there when we've been doubted and told that we've been counted out. And that is the most resonant part of the story that i believe you know has brought the the movie so much success but against the backdrop of of what we already knew was a giant you know very successful popular platform in regards to the top gun aerial you know 
uh, uh, training and 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 the Navy and I mean just all of it. We, we already knew that worked from the 1996 original, and then they went and they just made it more more so. Now, what the movie could have used was another female. I I, I loved Phoenix. I love Penny. I felt that there was one more. If there was one more female pilot, I think it would have been just absolutely perfect. Um, it, it almost was imbalanced in its in, in its machismo. But I mean, look, Ed Harris in his brief three minutes that he that he has on screen, four minutes, whatever, he's fantastic. But he's grizzled and machismo as hell as he's chewing out our little Tommy boy. I mean, there is not a more macho. Deserve a, a movie deserving of the 2023 Macho Award in the last decade than this. Okay, so the 2023 Macho for Best Movie inevitably goes to Mr. Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick, which absolutely saved cinema's ass, brought people back buying expensive, uh, expensive seats in IMAX, got entire families back in, and I'm telling you that practice is what primed the pump for Avatar to then, you know, return. And trust me, we're getting a James, Cam- James Cameron. Trust me, we're getting, we're getting him. Um, so Top Gun Maverick, our macho 2023. Now, the, the, uh, we're, we're, we're doing two, two honorary, we're, we're going to do a streaming show, we're, we're going to do a show, and then we're going to do uh, two, two honorary awards to round it out. Um, our first, the, the, the streaming show that the, the, the most, the, the Macho 23, 2023, the Macho 2023 for best show goes to, drumroll please, it's 1923, okay? The, the Taylor Sheridan prequel to Yellowstone with Harrison Ford, uh, who is, who, who you would think is the most macho, macho uh, part of ni- 1923, but you'd be wrong. It's, it's Helen Mirren. Who's blowing people away with with her with her rifle? I mean, just cold blooded and threatening dudes and threatening to kill people. And she's moving uh, chess pieces on the board when everybody else is playing checkers. But uh, Harrison Ford's first TV role, and again, it is in celebration. Last year, we we gave many awards to Mr. Taylor Sheridan. He is still gobbling up the machos. He understands exactly what this audience wants. I don't know what happened. I don't know why the macho audience was diminished or chased away, but both Top Gun Maverick, everything Taylor Sheridan does, all the comic books we're honoring here, they embrace this machismo, this unapologetic, brazen hero heroines. Um, Look, like I said, Helen Mirren is the most kick-ass character, but the, the, the there was an episode where virtually everyone got slaughtered. In 1923, they set a couple epi- set a couple uh, uh, episodes up, and, and then there was just slaughter on the range. It was bloody. It was grisly. It was R-rated violence. It was hard. It was fantastic. It's the kind of stuff that you know we have always been drawn to since I was a kid, like Predator, like Alien, like Aliens, like Terminator, like Terminator Two, Total Recall, you know, RoboCop. That level of engagement of violence and graphic uh, action, and and it really upped the stakes. What it does is it ups the stakes. And Helen Mirren was a part of that. Grizzled with, with a long rifle, she hunted down her prey and she ends that, 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 that prey. I mean, she is formidable and there is so much more to come. Uh, but whether it's Tulsa King, Mayor of Kingstown, uh, 1883, Taylor Sheridan is having more than just a passing moment. This guy is flexing and, and maybe have, has the most 
important universe uh, this side of Marvel Comics. Right now, it's not DC. It's not Warner Brothers. It's the Taylor Sheridan universe. And he has a Zoe Zaldana uh, series coming your way. He has a Billy Bob Thornton series coming your way. There are many more, um, you know, arrows in the quiver for, for Mr. Taylor Sheridan to fire upon us. And, I, and I, I, he just keeps landing these incredible blows. Also, in 1923, there's an entire show, uh, an entire story with one of the uh, the grandsons, one of the, uh, the, the the boys that grew up from 1883, and he's over in Africa, and whether he's battling al- elephants, a pride of lions, uh, 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 you know, uh, it, it's, it's riveting. It is leopards. I mean, it is this, like, really very mature, violent, out-of-Africa story, and it's, it's existed to show us what a formidable hunter that, that this character is. And now he is embarking on his return to the ranch, to the Yellowstone. And it has given us like great anticipation of what's to come. Uh, so all the Africa stuff, the, the, the lions, the elephant charging, the, the, the leopards. I mean, this is really man versus nature stuff. And it's exciting. And it, and it looks like they have upped the budget consider, considerably because this, this Africa stuff is depicted fantastically. It is, it is really rich. And, uh, you know, like, like my, like, uh, um, uh, the guy, the name is escapes me, but he was, he was played by Sir Richard Attenborough. Um, John Hammond, that's it. John Hammond in the first Jurassic park, when they're looking at all the dinosaurs and he said, spared no expense, spared no expense. When I see 1923, I'm like spared, no expense, spared, no expense. Taylor Sheridan, 1923, the 2023 Macho TV Award. Boom. So we have we have two honorary awards, because I love honorary awards. It, it, it forgives all sins, right? But we've only been doing this, doing this for two years, so it's not like we've really skipped anybody yet. But our, our first honorary award for Comic Creator, 2023 Macho Honorary Career Achievement Award, goes to none other than, uh, you know, the, 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 the rest in peace, Neil Adams, uh, Neil Adams passed away this year, but if there is a more machismo artist and a guy who taught us all how to, you know, run Neil Adams walks so the rest of us can w- w- run. I mean, that's just pure and simple how it is. Muhammad Ali, Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, his work on X-Men, dead man. Uh, the, the guy drew definitive picture, definitive depictions of everyone that he illustrated. He is number one in my Batman list. That honestly, I thank you guys. That that list went over really well. So many of you discovered Marshall Rogers, and I could not be more thrilled. But Neil Adams is far and away the very greatest, best Superman artist, Green Lantern artist, Batman artist of all time. Period. End of story. When you look at popular versions of Green Lantern from like Ivan Rice or Brian Hitch. Uh, they're looking, Alan Davis, they're looking at Neil Adams. Ditto, Superman, ditto, Batman. He is the rock that everyone has broken themselves against. His body of work will stand the test of time for another hundred years. He is that amazing, that accomplished. It was an honor to know him. He redefined figure drawing, uh, the depiction of faces, expressions, rendering, uh, page design and layout. There is no aspect of the comic book production the comic book creation that he did not affect 
and push to the next level, move it forward. So that all the guys in my peer group, there is not a guy among us, the, the, the Todd McFarlane's, the Eric Larson's, the Mark Silvestri's, Jim Lee's, uh, Wolf's Portacio's, myself, that were not at one point in time taking pieces from Neil Adams' considerable resume. Neil Adams, again, thank you. Your family is beautiful. They, I love that they continue to honor you and, and, and keep your uh, legacy going, and we will all continue to celebrate you. Neil Adams is without a doubt, if we had a, you know, uh, uh, one of those awesome, you know, career retrospective reels playing behind me, you'd be seeing shots of his epic, you know, X-Men work, the, the, the X-Men in, in, in the Savage Land with Kazar, the Sentinels, Havok, Polaris, Magneto, you'd see, you know, Batman and Joker and Rezaz Ghoul and Talia, you'd see, you know, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, you'd see Superman, Muhammad Ali, Giant Aliens, you'd see Ms. Mystic, you'd see Dead Man, um, just all of his amazing achievements. So we honor Neil Adams, our honorary career achievement macho 2023. Our uh, macho 2023 award to, uh, we're, we're just going to call this the most macho. The, the most macho award. Year two, we're giving out a new one. We've created a new category. Most macho. The most macho goes to a filmmaker who continues to somehow uh, be denied the respect that he is due, and all he does is put the most points on the scoreboard. It, it's, like, it's like he is the Michael Jordan of cinema. All he does is make phenomenal, uh, transformative films. And ironically, gives us incredible heroin after incredible heroin. His females are the the dominant action figures of each and every film, whether it is his own Sarah Connor or the most celebrated action-packed version of Ripley uh, and, and, uh, and then carrying through, you know, all the way to his incredible, uh, just incredible female heroines uh, that that he puts on screen, uh, you know, in 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 his brilliant now groundbreaking Avatar series, and 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 I, I challenge anybody to tell me that uh, the the depiction of Natiri by Zoe Zaldana is not the most badass. She outshines Jake Sully. She outshines everybody in both Avatar movies. The way that she flips and flies and shoots that giant bow, and um, you know, every everything in her hands is a deadly weapon. And she is the most um, a- aggressive and accomplished warrior in each of those of Avatar, each of those groundbreaking two billion plus films. You know, I was saying to my wife again. We have a lot of discussions. We spend a lot of time together. I said, you know, it was just three months ago that people were saying that. You know, Avatar 2 wasn't going to make its money back. It was going to be a flop. It was going to be... I had people within the movie industry, my friends, saying, oh, Rob, it's, it's just a big cartoon. It's going to sink Disney. It's going to sink Disney. Yeah, it didn't. It, it lifted them up. James Cameron was uh, doubted with Titanic. He was doubted with Avatar. He was doubted with Avatar 2. And all he does is rack up four of the top... He has three of the top four best received best-selling most popular most tickets sold movies when i say most tickets sold i mean you know box office i know you can go back and go but 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 gone with the wind yeah whatever that's a what a two cent 20 cent 25 cent ticket look avatar is moving again like top gun 25 dollar tickets for giant 
40X, PDX, IMAX screenings. James Cameron creates these incredible action heroines that we dig. So his, his macho achievement is making those badass females we've ever seen on screen outshine all of their male counterparts. His depiction of Ripley in Aliens was a revelation. We didn't think she could be cooler than she was in Ridley Scott's Alien. And then he's like, nah, I'll put her in exoskeleton. The, the, the infamous get away from her, you bitch, when she addresses the, the queen, the alien queen mother. Um, her, 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 you know, alongside the, 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 the Marines and, and using the heavy, the heavy art- artillery. And now he's, you know, wonderfully, the fact that he has trans- transported not just her, but also, um, you know, uh, Kate Winslet from Titanic as, as Ronal, and then, and then Sigourney Weaver as Kiri into his avatars. So, so Zoe and Sigourney and Kate Winslet are all on screen together as these badasses. And I do love that he made Kate Winslet pregnant and still a warrior, you know, flying into battle. I love James Cameron. He is uh, one of the biggest influences on my work and so many others work. He is a force of nature. Everything he does is brilliantly shot, staged, uh, beautifully rendered. There are no CGI uh, uh, effects that you go, ah, that looks like they missed. They, they all hit. He refines and refines and refines. That there was an old, there was an old ad uh, when I was a kid, and it said, "They will serve no wine until it's time." It was a great slogan. It was a great, you know, jingle that they they got out there in the eighties. They will serve no time. On, they will serve no wine until it's time. That is James Cameron's approach to to his FX. Not only does he not serve them until their time, he doesn't serve them until they are groundbreaking and leaving everything else in its dust. While other franchises are are struggling from big universes, James Cameron continues to hit the bullseye again and again and again and again. James Cameron is our most macho, the most macho. 2023. Uh, I cannot think of anyone more deserving uh, in my lifetime. And, And with that, we wrap up Best writer, best artist, best comic series, best movie, best series, and 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 our two honoraries to Mr. Neil Adams and Mr. James Cameron. You guys, those are the Machos, the Macho Awards 2023 in this Observation podcast that I enjoy so much to be sharing with all of you. The Machos, th- that is our 2023 bevy of machos and i am excited about what the next year brings i i am hopeful look um i'm going to tell you right now i hope to compete i hope to compete next year with my deadpool batter blood i i am bringing some serious some serious level of macho and again in this sea of like marat and i were witnessing of of just samey everything shot from mid-level um, um you know um establishing shot comic books it, it it's it's almost it's almost too easy but that doesn't mean the effort isn't there. Mark isn't beating everyone because he's doing easy work. He's putting the effort in while everyone else, and I don't know if it's a, I don't know what's going on. I think there's a lot, there a lot less rendering, a lot less aggressive layouts, a lot, a, a lot, a lot less uh, um, innovative page design. But it just seems like also the computer drawing, the Cintiq, the softer uh, brushes that get made through the computer do not replace paper quill. And, and, you know, I will always work in that manner. I know Mark is working in that manner. Look, the old guys, sometimes you got to go, you know, 
I mean, as Spielberg and Cameron get older and me and my peer group, we get older. Hey, maybe there's something to it. We've had these long careers, 37 careers, 37 years is nothing to sneeze at. Mark is clearly over 40, 40. Maybe he's, in, he's been in the business 45 years. Um, maybe the veterans have something to say here. Uh, maybe longevity uh, is something that we can all celebrate. Certainly everyone who got honored today, Kevin Eastman, uh, Mark Silvestri, Neil Adams, James Cameron, Tom Cruise. I mean, the, the youngest among them is Taylor Sheridan. Okay. Um, Helen Mirren is no spring chicken and she kicks all the ass in 192023. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And I, I will um, sneak in one award. The most macho uh, podcast as voted by you is me. See, I got my, I gave myself an award. Uh, tongue in cheek. Come on. Don't take it too seriously. I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not. Um, anyway, thank you for joining me each and every week as you do and supporting this podcast. And I hope we had fun today. I hope I, I tried to insert a little bit of a art history, comic book history, and, and copious amounts of respects for some of the finest uh, people making comics and making entertainment. So thank you for joining me on the 2023 Machos. Hey, hey, you all know that at the end of each and every Rob Observation episode, I, it is my absolute honor to, to share with you guys the reviews that you have left for the show. I say it each and every week, each and every show, those reviews matter so much. Uh, your support, your ratings help elevate us and our awareness. It's this weird algorithm thing, but it, it works. It, it does. And you guys have been so generous with your reviews. And when you are, when you take your time out and you express your enthusiasm uh, for, for, for the show, I read your reviews at the end of each and every show. And today we got a really generous, a generous review from a gentleman, a gentleman named Michael Jason, Christopher 73, Michael Jason, Christopher 73. He writes, Rob, the comic book historian. He gives us five stars and I thank you so much. Again, I am so honored. Michael Jason Christopher 73 writes, I cannot think of a more energetic, heartfelt, comic book related podcast than Rob's Observations. It's hard not to be in a, all caps, fantastic mood after listening to his podcast each and every week. Rob, thank you for the hard work and deep dive research you do coming up with these long lost comic book creator interviews in long forgotten magazines. I love this platform along with your live shows. I appreciate you, your art, and your comic book passion. Keep up the great work and thank you from a longtime fan. It says Michael Dudley. It says Mike Dudley at the at the end. The the email associated with the logging is Michael Jason Christopher seventy three. Mike Dudley. Hey Mike, thank you. That now I'm, I'm going to tell you. I read this, I get energized, and it keeps me going. Because I'm not going to lie to you. Every week I go, is this my last podcast? I is is have I said everything I I have to say? And then um, honestly, the the view, the, the listens are 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 the numbers are staggering. And, and I feel obligated to just keep giving this to you guys and, and, and doing it. And I enjoy it so much because I, I know that, that, that those long lost interviews and those long lost magazines that only I have hoarded and kept and held on to um, are something that is deeply appreciated by you guys. And there's more to come. There is so much more to come. Thank you, Mike Dudley, for that very generous review. You guys leave the reviews and I read them at the end of each and every show. Thank you so much. On social media, I'm all over the place. We're going to start with Twitter. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. I have a blue check. It means that it, um, um, it, it, it signifies me uh, as, as, as legit. And, and there, are, there are other phony accounts. That's the legit account. Uh, legit account. And, and I, I look forward to hearing from you. So many of you are, are interacting with me each and every day. I enjoy your comments, your back and forth, your DMs, your messages. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me about comics and movies and TV and everything that I love. 
On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. Give me a follow. I appreciate it. On Instagram, I am just at Rob Liefeld. I was able to secure that name, Rob Liefeld. Uh, on Instagram, it is my photo, you know, my diary of my life, what I'm eating, where I'm driving, what I'm doing, my life, my family, my kids, what's on my drawing board, the toys I'm playing with. If you would do me a favor and follow me over on Instagram, I would just dig it so much. Thank you so much for following me on Twitter at Robert Liefeld and on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I read on, on Instagram, I read your comments, your messages, your DMs, all of that. Thank you so much for all the commentary and all the generous ways that you communicate with me on on, uh, on Instagram. On Facebook, we have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. That is the name of the group. Myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. We are the only two that are going to click you through. We are the administrators of the, of the group, and we have been since the beginning. We would love for you to join us. We talk about all manner of comic book related um, uh, things and, and, and movies, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here, we talk about there. It's, it's kind of where this can, these conversations can continue. And we have much more in-depth commentary, um, uh, including about each and every episode. And I would love to invite you to be part of Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Look it up on Facebook. If you're, if you do Facebook, uh, uh, give us a shout, uh, submit your name. We'll click you through. Look forward to seeing you there. You will be welcome. We have art contests in, in, in addition to all the manner of different discussions. So I look forward to seeing you on Rob at, over at the Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond Facebook group. I am on an app called Whatnot. Whatnot is a killer collectible app that sells everything, everything in the collectible space. And, and now, I mean, even like Rolex watches, but they've got sports, memorabilia, jer- jerseys, sneakers. You've got uh, role-playing games. You've got... Uh, you've got trading card collectible games you've got Yu-Gi-Oh! you've got you've got pokemon um i mean everything under the sun you've got comic books funkos toys i'm in the comic book funko toy category consistently that's where i share my signed custom remarked uh, custom signatures on comic books toys funko pops and original art i uh i try and go live twice a week uh the schedule's getting kind of kind of crazy because i am so very busy right now but i am rob liefeld over and whatnot give me a follow if you follow me uh you'll get notified when i go live for shows i generally do that you know well in advance and then you can catch up and, and watch me as i share again i have whatnot exclusives we did a spider-man whatnot exclusive only available during the live feed a deadpool new mutants exclusive only available during the, the live feed we've done uh brigade exclusives from extreme only available through the live feed we've done acetate covers glow-in-the-dark covers foils chromes all of it look for me over there when i go live it is um people have said it's like an extension of the show again i am speaking directly to you i am on camera talking to you the entirety whether it's two hours three hours four hours you will see me and I'll be sharing all this stuff. You'll find out what a drop shadow chisel is, a blood chisel. I've, I've, I've uh, developed all manner of different weird signatures, mainly correcting mis- mistakes. And in correcting mistakes, I've, I've, I've come up with these new weirdo kind of sig- signatures, but they've caught on. Anyway, check me out. Follow me on whatnot. Um, um, join me on one of my live feeds. I'd love to see you there. And, uh, and, 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 and give me a shout out. And, and I, I love to hear that you came from the podcast, which is really driving so many people over there. So, so look for me over on whatnot. I am Rob Liefeld. Give me a follow everybody. I hope that you are doing as best as you possibly can. Life is a grind. Life is a struggle. Life has challenges. We've all got to clear them and hurdle and, and, and clear those hurdles each and every day. I have three kids, mostly adults, but I still, I worry about them all the time. I am concerned about them. Um, my, my wife and I, we have been together over 30 years. Um, we are always, uh, uh, you know, 
we enjoy our each other's company and, and we enjoy life, but we embrace the struggles and uh and and one one of the things, the way that we uh you know feed our 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 spiritual, physical, mental, and, and emotional selves is my wife, she reads books. She reads tons of books. She is a huge, voracious reader, novels, autobiographical historical she she reads all sorts of stuff i am the comic book guy the movie guy the streaming guy uh, I, I i get my my beanbag out i have to escape i have to have something where i i you know intake something that tickles me uh on on a creative level and uh, you guys i am a giant foodie we like gourmet tacos and gourmet hamburgers and all the food halls in orange county we have frequented and and the different um custom kind of pizza places and cookies and ice cream and we we indulge in all of it not every day we can't but it's it's that it's that one time where you get out you know cheat days have become part of you know our vernacular and our culture and i'm telling you combine your 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 cheat day of food with your cheat day of comic books uh books fantasy sci-fi uh movie streaming whatever and feed your soul and and feel the release and 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 get inspired that 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 is my wish for you it is not terribly deep but it is it is passionate and it is heartfelt so i'm rooting for you i'm rooting for you and your family and all that you are experiencing and i and i hope that everything continues to go your way circle on back i'm going to be here the next time still waiting for you and i hope you join me we will most certainly absolutely you know it inevitably Talk again real soon.